this is a commissioning service. And uh, I was asked to do this, and I presume I was only asked to do this because Pastor David is not around. And so I cheated. I phoned Pastor David. Uh, Stimbisa came to our church once. He was up there for a week to see how other ministries worked. And he happened to come to our church on the weekend that we did communion. And so we told him, uh, it's communion weekend, so after you've preached, just do communion. Not knowing that Stimbisa had never done communion before. And uh, he also ran outside and phoned Pastor David. <laughs> said, what must I do? He said, well, do what you've seen done all this time. I'm doing this commissioning service this morning, and I've never done one of these before. Have you ever done one of these before? Good. We're all in the same boat. So uh, we, we are going to make history today, uh, and we're going to do it together. But I did, uh, I did ask David uh, if there was something specifically he wanted to say, and uh, he did. So he wrote a letter, and I'm going to ask uh, Lindy to make, copy or make a copy of this and put it on the where the missionary things are empty, to put one up there so that you can go back and refer to it at a later stage. Uh, and this pretty much is a challenge. So I'm going to read this towards the end uh, when we want to give the church and Clive the challenge of the commissioning. Um, but this morning, uh, you know, it's an emissions conference and a commissioning service. How do you put those two together? Uh, I had so much to say yesterday that uh, they only gave me an hour. You know, 35 years of ministry in an hour. How do you get it all in there? Um, and it doesn't. You can never get it all in there. But one of the things about evangelism that I'm against is decisionism. When you try to get people to just make a decision. Um, it's pretty easy to get people to make a decision. I, I've seen this done at the prisons. How many of you would like a Burevos role? I mean, which prisoner doesn't want a Burevos role? All right, put your hands down. How many of you would like to be saved? Well, there's a lot of people there that didn't understand Burevos or saved. That's not their language. And so they just followed what everybody else did and raised their hand. Uh, in our children's programs, when we work with the kids, uh, one of the things that I train my people to do is to watch for the people that make the decision in the beginning, the people that... You know, they want to make this decision. This is what they decided. Because children just look at other children and do what they do, you know. And so, and then tomorrow when we do the program the second day, yesterday that guy got a John and Romans or a counseling booklet or got something. And because he got something, I want something. So I got to do what he did yesterday so I can get it today. And unfortunately, that doesn't bring salvation into people's lives. Salvation is a, is a you know, that's why I think the Bible said going unto all nations and teach them. Because it, it's a discipleship process. It's, it's more than just making a decision. Now, I got saved and I made a decision when I got saved. I decided to take Christ to be my Savior. But, you know, I committed myself to God in that decision that I made. And, and we can't just make a decision. So this morning I, I want to start, let me find my outline here to see if I'm starting the right thing. Uh, Egypt, yes. Okay, so... I'm going to be in the book of Isaiah. If you want to turn to the book of Isaiah in your Bibles, we'll be reading a couple of passages there. Um, 
This particular passage in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 9 to 13, I really want to challenge you, if you go back to read the book of Isaiah, read the book of Isaiah with the church in mind. I know it's an Old Testament book, and I know it was written to the Jews, and they were going to go into captivity, and they did. I think we live in the last days. I think our end is not very far off. I think God is going to to return. Um, And so we are about as wicked as as Israel was and doing the wrong thing as much as Israel was so that God can come back. There was a remnant, and the remnant went to Babylon, and they did survive, and there will be a remnant that goes from the world in the rapture, but I don't think it's going to be millions and millions of people. Uh, If you believe some of the statistics... You know, there's so many saved people in the world right now, it's hard to find somebody that's a sinner uh, to help them to get saved because everybody thinks they're saved and they have no idea what that even means, but uh, I'm saved, you know, or I'm born again. Or, and they keep clouding the thing. But uh, read Isaiah with the church in mind and just see uh, what, you, what you think about it when you do that. I'm going to read from verse 9. This is a rebellious people. Clive is going to minister in this church, and you are uh, appointing him, and he is going to be uh, uh, in a rebellious people. Not you, you, not here in the church, although there might be a little bit of rebellion in the church at times, uh, but you live in a rebellious nation, in a rebellious world. Um, Lying children. Uh, How many people have told you, Pastor Stembisa, I'll come to church on Sunday? And never showed up. Thousands. I remember one of my prisoners coming out, and, and he uh, he wanted to minister to his people, and he went door to door inviting people to come. And I went to help him. He was a Sutu, and he spoke Sutu, and he did the whole African thing. You know, he went in, he sat down, he drank tea, he talked to them for thirty minutes, and then he went next door, and he went in and he drank tea. I'm like. Pfft. You know, I, I, I can't do this. And the, at this speed, you're going to get like one street done, maybe two streets done. I'll, I'll go four streets away and I'll give out tracts to those people and I'll invite them to come. And he wanted me to bring all the benches from our Sunday school because that's how many people were coming. And I said, I'll bring you five or six and I promise you I'll have my cell phone on if you phone me in church and tell me those five or six benches are full. I'll disrupt our service and get two or three men and we'll load the benches and we'll come up. One person came. And we think he was actually looking for a different church and happened to be in there when he came. And the people that were invited were sitting on their chairs outside. I mean, you know, he's in this house and the guy's sitting there across the road and there and there. And when they saw him, they said, oh, pastor, next week, next week, pastor, of coming next week. I had no intention of coming any week. So we live amongst the lying children, children that are not, that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to their seers, with their teachers, see not, and to their prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Don't tell us what we're supposed to do. Speak unto us smooth things. Say what we want to hear, not what we should hear. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. 
cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Doesn't it sound like South Africa? Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because they despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness, because that's what they're doing. They're oppressing and perverting people. And, and stay there on, they, they, they're happy with that. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. You know, when, when something's going wrong in a building and it swells out and it's going to collapse, and it'll be sudden when it actually happens. And so, this is not new to God. Corruption is not new to God. All right? Remember Paul when he was in prison? He said Festus called him often hoping for a bribe. Corruption is not a new thing, but it is something that we have to deal with. And Egypt says, hey, we, we're prospering, we're doing fine, you know, keep God out of our way and out of our sight. But you are commissioning Clive today to stand in the way. Now, you're asking him to stand in the way in Whitbank. But you're also asking him to stand in the way of you. Because you're asking him to watch out for your soul. And so, you know, we must be aware of that. And sometimes you'll want to say, don't tell me that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Remember this passage. There is a remedy the remedy is in verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and in returning, and rest shall be, be, be shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall ye be strengthened, and ye would not. The cure that God has is always the same repentance. Nothing God ever does is to destroy somebody. It's always to bring you to repentance. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it's hard. But God's desire is to bring you back. When I got hidings as a boy, did I enjoy them? Never. I was in Lindy's house and she told me of a day she got a hiding. She remembered <laughs> that hiding, okay? But it wasn't to destroy her. It was to protect her. Now, as an adult, she can see that the disobedience that she did that day wasn't just fun. It was actually dangerous, and she could have ended up in a very bad situation. So she disobeyed. God is the same. And God just wants us to repent. Turn from what we're doing and do what God wants. It's not difficult. It's not even hard. It is opposite to what we want, though. That's the hard part. I want to go this way. Remember as a child, you know, I want to do this. And God and Dad said no. So we went upstairs and climbed out the window or we did something, you know, to get around what Dad said. The difference between dad and God is God always sees. Dad only saw some of it. You know, when 
I was in a school that had an intercom system, and they would call you over the intercom, you know, uh, Mike Nielsen, come to the office. I never once went to the office thinking, hmm, I wonder what award they want to give me. <laughs> I never did that. Every time I went to the office, I thought, hmm, what have they found out about? If it was this, what am I going to do? If it was this, if it was this, if it was this. There was always at least five things that I should be in trouble for if they found out. But God always knows. There are roles that we are going to play. Um, there's a role that Clive has to play. You're commissioning him today. You've called him to be the pastor. You are, you are choosing to put him in a place of leadership. And you are choosing, if you're going to put him in a place of leadership, to follow his lead. When we, as evangelists, go out to do an open-air meeting, uh, we will decide which one of us is going to lead the open-air meeting. Once we've decided that, then we take our instruction from the person that's leading. And, and you know, we all have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can speak to all of us, but we are saying, we want you, God, to use this person today to lead this meeting, to choose what items, you know, should Mike do a magic trick? Or should Mike do a drawing board message? Or should Mike give his testimony? Or, you know, and, and choose those things. And so you are choosing a team captain. He's not the team. Don't ever get that idea. We chose the team. There he is. His name's Clive. No, he's the captain of the team, but he needs a team because he can't do everything. And he can't accomplish God's purpose, and you can't accomplish God's purpose unless God wants it done. And so our major task is, what does God want us? What direction does God want us to go? What is the next thing God wants us to do? So his role, Isaiah 30 verse 20, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner or any more, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. So he's going to be commissioned. He's going to be the teacher. He's going to come up here and you are going to pray for him and you're going to ask him to lead and to seek God's face as to what we, we want to know. And the teacher is going to be before you. Of course, one way you can get the teacher not to be before you is to stop coming to church. <laughs> but remember that you commission him to be a pastor. The pastor is the one that looks after the sheep. So if you stop coming, you should expect a knock on the door to say, hello, what's wrong? Can we help you? What can we do? Can we pray for you? And before he comes to knock on the door, he's going to ask a couple of people, I'm going to knock on this door, please pray for this person. And uh, God doesn't want to let you go. God doesn't want to let you go off quietly into your sin. He wants you to be on the path and doing the right thing. Yesterday we talked about a train and how the opening meetings or the evangelism that we try to do, the people always try to get us on another track. But our track is this track and we've got to, you know, come back and get them back on the track so that we can show them what the gospel says and what God wants them to know. And so that's a, a, a job 
that he has to perform and do. And so, you know, don't get mad at him when he does his job. He's the teacher that is going to be before you and uh, not going into a corner. The Holy Spirit also does a job. That's in verse 21. Then the uh, then and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. I want to ask you that you pray for Clive. And you pray that that voice is what Clive hears and listens to all the way. Now I know that that's the desire of his heart. That doesn't mean something can't sidetrack him. It's been the desire of my heart for many years, but I also can get sidetracked. And so pray for him. Pray that that still small voice, I actually rewarded Kyle this morning uh, in the earlier hour because when I did my seminar thing yesterday, I gave out a piece of paper and I had a, illustrating the gospel was written at the top and I said, when you've learned the ladder lettering at the bottom of the page, which I taught them, then you can write in this piece at the top. And then after the seminar was finished, I said, who wrote in the piece at the top? And he had done it. And so I awarded him because he listened to the small voice that was right in the beginning that never got repeated or re-asked or anything. But, you know, he was there. And it's always a small voice. God does not shout. God does not Get in your face. It's always, always, always a choice. You chose to be a Christian one day and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But every day you choose to take up your cross and follow him. It's always a choice. When, when you know, that little voice that sits on the shoulder that tells you to go this way and walk in it, there's another voice that sits on this shoulder that says, don't do that, it's not fun. Do this. This is much more fun. But it's deadly. But we do need to pray that he would listen to that voice. Isaiah 32, a couple of pages over, in verse 17, it says, The work of the righteous shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. That's the goal. Our goal is to serve God, and we should be able to serve him in quietness and in peace. And how do we get that? We judge. God judges, and when he judges, then there's peace and righteousness. And so we need to judge. We need to judge. That's a sin. I'm not going that way. This voice I'm not interested in. I had a mask. I could put a mask on him, you know, gag him and mask him, but he's not that kind of voice. We will always have to choose. And the way of God is righteousness and peace. It will be peaceful if you choose the way he wants you to go. There will be peace. Right. When they asked me to do this, I got this little email from Lindy and said, uh, would you please part of the missions conference, do this commissioning for Clive. I said, phew. 
So I looked in the Bible for somebody that was commissioned. Who do you know was commissioned in the Bible? Paul, he saw the bright light on the road. Who else? Timothy was commissioned by Paul. Okay, they were set apart to go out, yes. But we've been reading in the book of Isaiah. All right, Isaiah got commissioned. Let's read it. Let's read what God did to commission Isaiah. It's in chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Go back a couple of pages, a couple of chapters. Verse six, from verse 6, chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin Purged. Clive, you can be glad this was a vision, otherwise I'd have to have a live collier to sort you out with. Right. Also, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear indeed, but understand not. And see indeed, but perceive not. Clive is being commissioned today, and he has heard, you've heard his testimony of how he came to the same place that Isaiah came, where he saw the Lord, and his eyes were opened. Now, if you were here on, on Saturday, uh, Stenbuso said twice, you know, the eyes, my eyes were open. It was like, like I got saved, and, and just like, you know, like suddenly I could see. It's like, you know, they tore the curtain away. And that's what it's like when you get saved. And so Clive has experienced it. And uh, he's going to stand in a nation of people that don't really want to hear the truth. And he's going to look for the remnant. He's going to share with many people that are going to say, no, thank you. But he's always looking for those one or two that are saying, yes, please. And many of you are here because you were the one and two when David was ministering or Pastor Roger was ministering that said, yes, please, I, I do want to know God. And your eyes were opened and you came to that same saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as he did. So this is Clive and Colleen's part. 
they are going to stand there, but they don't stand alone. Remember, you are the ones that are commissioning them. So you are standing with them and saying, you know, teach us, show us, help us to do the reaching of people as well. That's what this whole weekend was about. The, the evangelism outreach opportunities. The track that they, Clive has made that's in French is because there's a group of French people in the country that also could be reached if we had a tool to reach them with. And so they're trying to, to do that. And, um, you know, that's the goal. Now, we don't expect millions of people to be saved and come and sit in the church because we are in the last days. People are rejecting and people are following all sorts of truth. Uh, isn't it amazing, uh, just a small statistic, COVID virus, we're all masked up this morning because of COVID virus. Do you know how many people COVID virus has killed worldwide? 1.2 million people. Is that a lot? Wow. In the same period of time, do you know how many alcohol-related deaths there's been? 1.4 million. How come we don't still have the bottle stores closed in all of those places? All right. Now you want to hear a shocking statistic. In exactly the same period of time, how many abortions have there been? 34 million. My daughters have four. Four out of 34 million that they were able to rescue or save. 34 million. And the world thinks that's okay. Put on a mask in case you get COVID. But we killed 34 of the next generation, 34 million of the next generation in the same period of time. And nobody even thought that there was something wrong with that. I can tell you somebody thinks there's something wrong with that. His name is God. And the promised land was cleansed. They went in there and they destroyed everybody in the promised land. Do you know why? Because they sacrificed their children to gods that they made of steel and iron and different things. And why did Israel go into captivity? Because they learned the practices of the land that they were supposed to destroy the people so that they wouldn't learn the practices and they didn't do a good enough job. And then they learned the practices and they started to sacrifice their children. Now, we don't have a a ball that has arms that stick out like this, that you place the baby on the arms, and then the baby sort of moves and rolls over, and the arms are at an angle, so then the baby rolls down into the fiery stomach that they've built inside the altar. We don't do abortion that way, but we still kill them, and we are still murderers when we do that. So yes, it's going to be a tough walk. This church, I, I always like the little steeple that you have on top of your church. When I go down to Nelspate or whatever and come up, I always look to see if I can see the steeple. It's a beacon. It's a lighthouse. I was away two weeks ago or a week ago, and I was at the coast, and they, they, there was a lighthouse that I could see from my bedroom window. And that light you know, sent out a signal all the time. And pretty much it's defunct now because of all the GPSs and the this and the that and everything else, whatever. But they didn't take it down or take it away. Because when the battery goes flat, not on the lighthouse, but on the boat, 
then all that electronics, no matter how great it is, goes, and that light will keep you off the rocks. It will protect you. And this is the lighthouse. And this is the new lighthouse lens cleaner and shiner and trimmer and getting it ready uh, each day. And uh, you're going to pay him to do that. And he's going to spend hours and hours of his time doing that. But he's always going to need your help. He's always going to need your prayers. He's always going to need your support to get it done. In Ephesians 5, verse 25 and 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, having neither spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's a task that Clive's undertaking. Now, he's going to use the word to share with you, to try to keep you going along that path. But he loves you. He cares for your soul. He's, he's, he's not a hireling. A hireling, when he sees the wolf comes, runs away. All right? And there's plenty of wolves out here. But the hireling, you know, if he's not a hireling and he loves the sheep, then he's here for the sheep. And so give him that opportunity to do that. John chapter 15, it's the story of the vine and the branches, and it says this, uh, beginning at verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He's not replacing God. He's not God to this church. He's a servant of God. And he's looking out for your soul. And he's commissioning, or you're commissioning him to do that. To watch for you. You are watching, but you want somebody else to watch with you. So that when the devil manages to pull a blind one on you, somebody else can say, hey... What's going on? You know, and try. And it's always about repentance, and it's always about coming back, and it's always for your good. Not his good. Your good. But it will always be under God, and we are the branches, and, and we can't bear fruit of ourselves. Clive can't even bear fruit of himself. He needs God, and we need to pray that that's exactly what happens all the time. I think that you are getting a gift. I think a church without a pastor is a church that needs a gift. A church with a pastor has a gift. You know about gifts, don't you? James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights and with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. Is that not true? 
I mean, I know he begat me with the word of truth in his own time, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto the man beholding his natural face in a glass. And for me, I, I, this, is, this is super true. I look at myself in the mirror, and if I had to explain myself to you, I couldn't. Because I can't remember that picture. I, I just, I don't know what it is. It's, I look there, and I look away, and I, I can't even tell you one thing about me <laughs> that I can remember. And so we, we don't want to be those that look in a glass. We want to be those that look into the Word of God. And so when Clive comes, he's going to bring the word of God to bear in your heart and in your life. If you have to come to Clive for some reason, bring the word of God when you come. He's not above reproach. He might need help. You have the responsibility of helping them as a family and helping them stay on the path. And he has a responsibility of helping you stay on the path. But all of this is to bring glory to God. That's the goal. That's the goal. So let us do it as best we can. I want to uh, I asked, as I said, I've asked Lenny to put this up so you'll be able to read it. Um, unfortunately, I can't read this. I have to read this because I can bring my glasses inside. <laughs> All right, dear Pastor Clive and Faith Baptist Church, Sunday the 6th of December, 2020. On this special day, our hearts rejoice with you. I must tell you that when I spoke to Pastor David, he wept over you. He was thrilled to even have a part in this opportunity. Um, but as I talked to him, he was so sad about having left you. Uh, this letter was supposed to be my final message and charge to you, but I am grateful to have this opportunity still to speak today. For, for many years, it has been a great privilege to train you, mentor you, and serve alongside you in the ministry. The testimony of Paul rings true of your rings true of your out time or our time, I think. Uh, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with a father he hath served with me in the gospel. Philippians, 4, uh, Philippians 2, 20 and 22. Surely over the past year you have at times felt young 
This is now to Clive. Young and inexperienced. But so were we all when God called us. Solomon was 30 years old when he was handed his father's nation. And now as a young man, God has called you to feed and lead his people. And I'm trying to say it the way that Pastor David would say it. Do it! Uh, 1 Chronicles uh, 28, verses 20 to 29, 1. And David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee of all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy command. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the place is not, the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. David's charge to Solomon was an intimate call to courage as well as to public acknowledgement of accountability. In this text, David addressed the congregation as he spoke directly to Solomon and said, You are young and inexperienced, and the work is great. Do it. The work of the Lord is marvelous and great, and the call of God is an awesome privilege. To shepherd God's people is an incredible task, accomplished with much labor, but it brings great fulfillment. Do it. We understand what is at stake. We understand the awesome privilege and responsibility and thrilling experience it is to feed and lead God's people. Do it. Be bold in your decisions while maintaining humility in Christ. Be wise in your counsel, refusing the voice of some and purposefully finding those that you can trust. 25 years of the McCrums at Faith Baptist Church have provided a lot of foundation. This will help you, but it will also provide some initial difficulties. It will help you because you're beginning with a good product. But it will be difficult for you if you do not become your own man. People follow conviction and vision, and you must lead forward. Know what you believe and understand who you are in Christ. And then, as their pastor, fear not to be vulnerable and transparent as you lead the church with your burdens. Frame well what God lays on your heart. 
and begin passionately sharing your burdens with the church. Do this from day one. Do it every Sunday. Be constant, talking about where you and the church need to grow and go. When David told Solomon, do it, he was saying, fly. When young eagles fly, they find their own space as they feel the currents of the wind beneath their wings. They are not led on a leash, nor are they backseat drivers in the sky. Young eagles must flutter and here and there, but they fly. And Solomon did fly. He took the kingdom much further than David, as I expect you will do in the coming years at Faith Baptist Church. King David's time was one of battles. David spent a lot of time running around, scared and building camaraderies out of, out of the rebel groups of dysfunctional tribes. But just as Solomon inherited a legitimate kingdom, so you have been given a mature body of Christ. Lead with boldness and humility and put yourself out there with your burdens and your visions for where faith Baptist needs to grow, to grow. Solomon's leadership was marked by immediate action, decisive language, and the recruitment of strong and capable leaders around him. This example still serves well. It is very evident that you love the Lord Jesus Christ and the people of Faith Baptist Church. They are watching you grow in your ministry of the word. And they know you and Colleen have godly character. But for several years, they never looked to you as their leader. Now they must learn to do so also. Uh, feed and lead God's people now. Act decisively by not letting tasks and responsibilities stay undone. This year, you have already stepped up in leadership and responsibility, following up on the committees in decisions and providing feedback to people. Stay with that. But now go further by voicing your burden as to where the church needs to go. Let ministries, leaders make decisions on operations. But when it comes to the church action and the burden of spiritual health, lead with biblical conviction and loving insight. Share your heart so that they understand how operational decisions are linked to who the church needs to be in light of the scripture. Share your burden when recruiting leaders so people understand not only the part each individual plays, but how every believer is vital to the spiritual health of the church. Share your heart from the pulpit so that people begin to hear your language of collective. See what you see and organizationally, and they will connect your preaching to your spiritual health of Faith Baptist Church. They must see and hear and know without any question 
that you want to shepherd them for their good and God's glory. Philippians 1, 3-6 Thank my God upon every remembrance of you always, in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy of your, of your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that they which have begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Julie and I love you dearly. Pastor Roger and Darlene love you dearly. Our hearts are heavy at the loss of your presence. Uh, we rejoice in your courage and faithful service to our God and his Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.